jump from the net through systems, peoples, and cities to this place, Mainframe. My format, Guardian, to mend and defend, to defend my newfound friends, their hopes and dreams, to defend them from their enemies. Welcome to Enter VR, the podcast where we talk about all things virtual reality. I am Chris Miranda, your host, and on today's show, I am speaking with Gunter S. Thompson, the host of Virtually Incorrect. Um, a, you know, I, I want to say th- this is, by the way, Gunter. By the, thank you for coming on the show. Oh yeah, thank you. So, Gunter, would you consider uh, Virtually Incorrect the first, the world's first uh, virtual reality talk shows? Well, close. Uh, actually, I would say that Riff Max Live uh, with Reverend Kyle and Flake was the uh, the co-host. I, they did two episodes of that, and that was like a um, uh, um, uh, you know Conan O'Brien Tonight Show type of thing. And actually, that's where kind of it all started. You know, happening was I started talking about how I was so interested in that sort of thing, and and there's a history to why I'm interested in that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, I said, I'd like to, I would love to be the co-host. The, uh, Andy Richter would be great. Uh, but uh, the, that, that rate, that, uh, that role was already filled by flake. So, um, I know that, uh, Rev passed, uh, you know, my desires on to Kane and Mike who run Rip Max and they approached me on doing a show there. And I said, I got a really good idea for a show and it's uh, been going great. It's about four episodes so far. Yeah, congratulations! It's been it's been it's been an Thank awesome you. show, actually. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Um, it, so what was the inspiration for you? Like, where you know, you did say you did have a, a background or you had some uh, ideas in mind. What was the inspiration in the first place to come up with a uh, a show? Sure. Um, well, I've been uh, a fan of podcast and internet shows for a long time. Uh, I was uh, a fan of the and still am the fan of the Twit Network and the Revision Three Network. They were doing a lot of stuff in the beginning, uh, back in the mid maybe two thousands, and they also had you know stuff on uh, cable TV back then. So that was a way for me to get at some of that information. I always thought it was really cool to make your own stuff on the internet. And nowadays, of course, it's it's a lot of people do this. They have their Twitch streams and their YouTube channels and what you're doing, and it's 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 so cool to see this sort of stuff. So. I've always been like, well, I've wanted a piece of that. Uh, I tried to do video stuff, you know, years and years ago with uh, a few friends in my my area, but that's uh, a very challenging and it just didn't work, you know, didn't commit to it. So, um, and so some more of the history is that's like my personal history, but uh, more of the actual when VR started happening, when I got my Rift in July, uh, one of the things I joined was the uh, Metacraft server, a Minecraft server for Rift uh, folks. Nice. And um, that was really great. And on August 5th, they actually put a patch in for the uh, positional audio. And because uh, there was always a mumble server, but I just didn't join it for some reason. All I did is kind of text chat here and there um, and just did my own little small little cubby hole in Minecraft. And I wasn't a Minecraft player. I'd only played it a little bit on single player and I never played multiplayer. And I thought, well, this has got to be great. And it, it certainly was because there was already a huge amount of stuff built that I could experience in my Rift, plus people that were just instantly friendly. So once uh, once the connection was made on mumble where we could talk to each other, uh, I was I was basically there when the, the post happened so i got to just you know slash spawn go to home base where a few others did 
and we all were starting to talk to each other. And that was, for me, the beginning of VR social, where if you went too far away, we couldn't hear you. And, uh, and in this hostile Minecraft environment, that could be a problem where we'd have to you know, deal with that. So uh, a lot of fun. And uh, what we ended up doing is founding a town out there called Mumbleton. And we uh, uh, loved, you know, having people join the server and getting them involved and, and being a great community in Minecraft uh, for VR folks. Uh, and try and getting the encouraging go to mumble let's chat it up let's be a, this sort of community that's hanging out in this vr social sort of way and then we want to take it to the next level and make shows you know make a podcast or you know some kind of vr cast or vr show we didn't know what we were going to call it but we had like an inn where we wanted to do a, a round table discussion so we did that and we had our our friends on the server join and we had our couple hour discussion i streamed it on my twitch channel twitch.tv slash gunter 444 nice and uh, that was the early, early beta stuff of, of kind of getting together and trying to record something. Nice. That you know, I, I, I I'm I'm truly you know I, I really com got, got to commend you on on taking initiative on on putting together you know and being a part of this you know ever ever more vibrant community. This is it's really awesome to see, and I and I you know I want to encourage anyone who's listening and. You know, if you have an idea for a show or, or you just want to put your voice out there, whether it's virtual reality or anything, it's, you know, the Internet is just the most beautiful thing in the world right now to be able to express yourself. And and I see you doing it and it's really cool. Let me ask you about Gun your take on Gunter S. Thompson. I mean, this is your, this is your take off of the, the famous writer. Um, well, you know, where did that come from? Well, it's it's kind of just a, an amalgamation of, of, of ideas and, and stuff that I'm interested in. And it really started with just Gunter, and mostly I'm known as Gunter. Mm -hmm. uh, the S. Thompson I added on later on uh, just because I was like, oh, check it out, Gunter S. Thompson. That sounds cool, and as a big, I am a big Hunter S. fan. Um, but really, Gunter comes from you know Ready Player One. Uh, it's a little <laughs> bit different because in Ready Player One, that's kind of like a, you are a Gunter, an egg hunter. So um, there's Gunters. Um, it's not really a name, but uh, I just thought it was a cool name because that name does exist out there and just uh, works you know people get that um so it's a ready player one love mixed with uh, hunter s thompson love and it uh it's kind of like in ready player one too how there's a lot of nostalgia to the things that ernest klein loves well if i had my little book and i was reading about stuff i would put hunter s thompson in it for sure Awesome. Yeah, I, I, it's for some reason. Yeah, I heard your name and I was like, Gunter. That sounds familiar. And it, and it, yeah, it comes from Ready Player One. Obviously, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. That's that's a good book. I mean, in in terms of uh, required reading, would you recommend Ready Player One to anyone who's interested in VR? Um, so when I read it, it was before all this VR stuff, as far as Oculus and the Kickstarter happened. Huh. I wasn't thinking of VR except for this book. Now gave me that like. Oh God, I love this stuff so much. And like, why aren't we there yet? Was of course questions that me and my friends had for many years. Um, and, uh, it's, it's not only me recommending that it's, it's, it's recommended reading, but, uh, you know, Palmer Lucky, the Oculus team, they're all tweeting about it and talking about it and how it's what their vision, you know, matches that. I remember early days, Ernest Klein was out there at their, you know, their studios or whatever it's called, their, their, their headquarters. And, and he got to, you know, chat with them and, and whatnot. And it's a really cool vision. It's, it's hyper cool when you add all the, the cool eighties reference. So for those that grew up in, you know, that eighties and nineties, I think are going to get a lot of that and get a lot of out of it. Um, so I certainly think it's, it's required. It's more contemporary. And now I'm just starting to read uh, star crash or snow crash. Mm. And uh, it's really cool. I mean, it, it's so nineties and it's so, 
uh, reminds me of like Star Wars and like, you know, how Millennium Falcon is old, you know, it, it just has that 70s look to it. Well, when I'm listening or when I'm reading Snow Crash, uh, I get that kind of uh, uh, feeling. So the Deliverator from there is just amazing. And, and I'm not too far in, but that's definitely the uh, the next step for me. And I, maybe I'll also add more to my name. Maybe I'll be Gunter Snow Crash uh, Thompson. That'll be what the S stands for. <laughs> yeah, no, I... It, Ready Player One was a really, really good book for me. I mean, just it was a thorough. I just enjoyed it thoroughly. But there was, there was, there was things about it like where they would make a lot of '80s references, and I'm like, holy crap, I missed out on that one. I missed out on that one. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm just gonna have to use my imagination here, because um, I had no. Sure. There were reports where I was parts where I was like, I don't have a reference for this. Like particular. Adventure. I had never played Adventure actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't. Are you like a? Are you more of a '90s uh, kind of guy or an '80s? Where, where so do you fall in? I was born in '81, uh, okay. and so I remember the Atari and playing games on there. I really remember arcades. Uh, my, you know, just I miss arcades so much, and uh, uh, those were a ton of fun. But for me, arcades were mostly Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. So that's like you know early '90s and stuff when I'm being you know getting in, into middle school and then late '90s going into high school. Yeah. What was your What was your favorite console growing up? Um, favorite console or gaming I mean, machine. It was always like you know NES and yeah, then, yeah games would be uh you know it's all it, I mean uh just like Mario sixty four I can remember this great you know time going to the Sears you know department store in the mall and I couldn't afford uh or you know it was not Christmas yet or whatever it was needed to make uh, an N sixty four happen for me <laughs> and I had to go there and I'm standing in a line of three or four maybe five people at a time while mom's out shopping and we're just waiting to queue up to play you know uh mario 64 and it's so like we don't know all you see is people like in the the first you know starter seat outside of the castle entrance and they were just people diving in the water and they're like i can't get this thumbstick this this thing to work right and and just figuring that out was such a profound experience so that's a an amazing game you know bringing 3d even further with that game and i, I you know played that game a couple times got all the stars and you know that that's a big one for me mm, that was uh, that was yeah my my first console was the nintendo 64 uh, I, I I was born in '87, and I I missed out on a lot of uh really good consoles like the Super Nintendo and the NES and the Atari. So I had to go retroactively when I was in middle school, borrow you know uh borrow them from friends and stuff, so I can try those some some of the old school games out. And uh-huh. yeah, it, the Nintendo 64 truly was like just revolutionary in, in terms of just you know what was uh what was what it was capable of um yeah because at the time i remember like sony was out with the playstation one but sony didn't have i don't know if it had the the games for it like like metal gear obviously but after metal gear i can't recall like for at least for the first few years as like the playstation one like, i don't recall sony having these like you know like just insane, uh, popular, insanely popular games like like Nintendo did. The um, game that comes to mind is when I got my uh, PlayStation, but I don't know how many years that is into it. Was Final Fantasy VII was was the big game nice. for me, um, and that brought me in. And I feel like that was years after the Nintendo sixty four. So I'm not sure. I, I feel like Sony came out a few years later than the N sixty four. It really was the most interesting, you know, console. And still Nintendo was just dominating. I mean, there was no, I mean, I guess the Dreamcast or something. That was really cool, but, you know, that that uh, 
uh, didn't completely work out, and then I don't think there was anything after that. I believe. So walk me through your gaming history. So you got so you had a PlayStation One, then then you got a Dreamcast, or what? What was what was next? Nah, a friend had that, and just brought okay. it over, and we'd check that out, and mm-hmm. you know, play some Sonic 3D, I guess, or whatnot. I mean, I had a CDI actually. Nobody knows what a CDI is. Yeah, the count me in there. Um, it's, it's crazy. My, uh, I, you know, I didn't grow up with money. I grew up with the exact opposite and I grew up as a single, uh, in a single mother situation. And I don't know why she would sometimes just buy me these really ridiculous things. Cause I think she just wanted to surprise me like that. And, uh, so she, uh, you know, had a credit card and she went to Montgomery wards for those that are my age, you know, that know that they'll, they'll get a chuckle out of that. <laughs> and we got a CDI cause I thought maybe that was the future and it was not the future. It was, you know, CD games and stuff on a console. And there was one great game. It was called Burn Cycle. And it's a future, you know, cyberpunk. It's live action motion graphics plus, you know, just kind of like a um, an adventure game where you're hunting around uh, for things, uh, just clicking uh, with your different kind of remote control is kind of your controller with that thing. And it's a big, huge failure. But, you know, I was into trying new things as best as I could. Be, being the age I was, I didn't have a ton of money. But I had a mom that would... would you know, get me some things uh, here and there that were kind of outside of my normal reach. So uh, I had all the, the consoles at some point, you know, um, I would trade my old stuff in for the newer stuff. It's these days I regret because I wish I had my first, you know, Nintendo and, and things like that. But mm-hmm. I had to kind of trade them to get to get to the next level. Did you ever play with the GameCube or the PlayStation 2? What was your experience with those? Yeah, um, PlayStation 2, uh, I, I had that and I had the GameCube. Uh, I think at that point, we're st- I'm starting to decline in the amount of console play that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the GameCube was cool. I worked at the, for many years of my life at a boys and girls club. Mm-hmm. And so I would uh, teach kids computers, play games with them, do game nights, and have like 50 kids playing LAN party and, and video games. And that was a big you know blast. And then I moved into a different role of, of, of directing the technology there. But uh um, so I had a lot of games with them that I would play and whatnot, uh, and even like MAME arcade emulators, those were a big deal. Um, Counter-Strike was a big deal. Um, Half-Life 2 is my favorite game. I just beat Half-Life 2 uh, like two nights ago uh, for the first time, and now I know what the fuss was all about. That's <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, and that Team Fortress 2, Team Fortress 2 is my favorite multiplayer game. It's well balanced. I gotta admit, it's a really well balanced game, um, and it's I I, lo- I love the goofy graphics, and it's yeah, it's just yeah. it's a total blast. Like it's a, it's it's one of those games where like there's games like Battlefield, you know, Bad Company or Battlefield Three, whatever. Like it, it, you can it could get intense. Like you know, especially when I play with in squads with my family, like my cousins and my grandpa. Like we'll like yeah. we'll be yelling at each other. But Team Fortress Two is just like it's so goofy. It's so light. It feels so lighthearted. You know, you can get you know, spanked around in the game and you, you're still feeling feeling like, eh, it's not that bad. It's It feels a like a game. Yeah, design to it. You know? Definitely. I, I love cartoons and I love cartoons. Uh, I always thought of cartoons as being a virtual reality. I mean, they're so, they're all drawn in this little world that you get lost into. So I used to fascinate about that just to bring that to VR. You know, the more I play Valve games, the more I am impressed by their craftsmanship. Um, and, and just, and you notice like playing Half-Life 2, it felt like, because I played Portal 2 uh, like a year ago, two years ago, and it, for some reason it just felt like, oh, oh my god, like I, I can sort of understand there's this sense of eerie familiarity here. Like, you know, like uh, these these games were created by the same people. Like I can feel it. I don't know. It's a weird thing to describe. But yeah, Half-Life 2 is a truly, truly an epic, epic game. If whoever hasn't played it, you 
you you're you you you're missing out <laughs> yeah it's a pinnacle in gaming it's you know changing things and it's just great storytelling is what's the best about it you know it was it was at a point where like i i was reading masters of doom that's another required reading by the way um uh, i remember palmer lucky talking about it uh, and, and masters of doom uh, it there was a point in which um Carmack was uh, really focused on multiplayer and making gameplay really just raw and really good, but but it, you know it got to a point where like the times were changing and people wanted more story out of their games. They wanted more depth, more and, and Half Life, you know, was able to beat. I don't know if it was Doom Two or Doom Three, but in sales, Half Life was was destroying. Uh, uh, doom because it was just so much more rich with uh with with story and and it was yeah this half life 2 is super yeah, compelling half life 1 was way more yeah richer than like doom and stuff absolutely that was a i don't even know if i completely finished that though and it's a, it's a probably a sacrilege but it's just you know sometimes you don't have the time and yep. sometimes you don't come back yeah, but that was amazing too. I mean, you we can't talk about Half Life Two without talking and speculating about Half Life Three, uh, at least for a minute. Let you know, what do you do? You think we will ever see a Half Life Three? I just hope for it. Uh, I don't really have a clue. I don't think no really if anybody does. Uh, I think that's just what people want, and people want it to be, of course, in. VR and so I, I could see that uh, it, it being you know at least it's going to be made with VR uh, and, and uh, built from the ground up to support that but maybe it'll also be able to be on the screen um, so I want it I have no idea when uh, that's what's always been interesting about these games they don't come out uh, uh, any predictable time similar to Blizzard games and that's the way I think it should be for the most part, unless you're saying it's coming out at a certain time. Then, and if you keep pushing back, that's going to be a little bit disenchanting. But that's why I think they, they, they're quiet about it is because there's no way they're ready. I must be a, sado, a sadomasochist because I, I like that model, too. Uh, you know, unlike uh, certain companies, EA, <coughs> uh, they, you know, where they'll like push out a, a game uh, every year, you know, like what? There's going to be another Call of Duty this year. And sure, it's a lot of people. It's gonna make billions. It's gonna make a lot of money. A lot of people are gonna be playing it. But you know, at the end of the day, I I just feel like it. It's so much more satisfying when a developer just you know makes a labor of love out of a game. You know, and you just feel it. Like um, you know, t today I was about to buy The Last of Us because I haven't tried it yet. And 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 you know. But I know Naughty Dog. Like I've tr I played all the Uncharted uh, one, two, and three, and you know Naughty Dog, the way uh, they make their games, it's just you can see there that there's love for what they're doing in there, you know. Um, right. And I I I gotta admit, yeah, I, I, Valve, you're doing it right by making us wait. <laughs> just, yeah, I mean, then they then they you know have Steam and everything, and they're obviously uh, hyper you know intelligent over there, and they they've won me over for since a long long time ago so for like the pc master race this is like the you know game master race over here i think would you consider yourself a, a member of the pc master race uh, i would maybe two or three years ago i guess just because i had always ran pc but uh since i got my um uh, web development job where I work with 35 other folks that are distributed. Um, they all run Macs, and it was really important that I did that. And really, it really makes sense when you're developing an open source software that is, you know, a lot of PHP and whatnot. 
Uh, it's basically Drupal. It's what I do. And um, every time I, I tried to run Windows and get everything going, it was it was just endless hours wasted of my time and other people's time trying to get everything to, to coordinate. And to be honest, now that I moved that direction, it was almost like having my first computer again because uh, it was so new. I'd never really – I mean, at school a little bit I'd played with, which I'd been to school uh, about four or five years ago. I left that uh, Boys and Girls Club IT job to go back to school to uh, learn more design basically and, and get into what I've basically gotten into. Uh, I do the design stuff with web development and do front-end code. But um, – uh, lost my train of thought. So, what do you want to do? In, yeah, well, let's keep that train going. Uh, in terms of your future, what do you? What are your future plans? Uh, are you Are you planning on on becoming a virtual reality developer yourself, or or are you staying as a as a voice of uh, virtual reality? What What is What's your take on that? It's a good question. Uh, the future is always uh, a funny thing um, in trying to predict, but you know, of course, I do have some vectors that I'm thinking about and one is being a personality uh i love doing i love i guess before uh, and how my uh show uh virtually incorrect started uh, was you know it all goes back to the metacraft server and again that first vr roundtable discussion and we were also built like a virtual little tower to look like it was you know streaming out the signal <laughs> um uh but it, it basically uh, what I like to do is connect people together, uh, and I, I like VR friends and to have friends. Uh, so I like the social part of everything um, that comes with this, uh, and and it's it's really uh, been gratifying to. It's also maybe the type of people that are buying this product that are uh, uh, hanging out in these places. They're just really cool people. They're similar age, and it's just working out really well. You're able to collaborate and think deeply with these folks. Um, but in the but in the beginning, it was basically, hey, we got this town out here. People that are on this server, come on out. We'll we'll give you everything you need, and we built you know a, a minecart system to get you out there. And that that was kind of you know there's little little projects out there that people are, are building. So I wasn't really a master builder. I was more of a think tank and wanted to try to you know balance the community side of things as much as that I could. So that kind of kept growing and um, for me it's always about the user uh, being a web designer and a designer and in, in general I always design for the user so I'm always thinking about them there's a lot of developers around so I'm sure that kind of thinking can really uh, help out I'm not sure where I'm going to be in that but uh, um, uh, moving on though from Metacraft it ended up evolving into where I I promoted and started uh, these VR meetups uh, using the VR chat client and the name gets kind of confusing because I call them VR meetups, but really they're VR chats inside of the, the software VR chat. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of became this clubhouse for folks that followed the Bruce stream, uh, Semitic Bruce stream. We all were friends there from, from long ago. And we actually did meetups with Bruce in Metacraft early on. It was August, September. It's kind of where we were like, you know, hearie, hearie. We announced the first meetup. I mean, it was, it just wasn't, it didn't, wasn't a thing that stuck. And Minecraft really wasn't the place to do shows is what I found out. And um, meetups maybe, but not everybody could also purchase, or not everybody wanted to purchase Minecraft. So when VR Chat came out, uh, we played with that, and it was obvious that more people could attend VR Chat because it was free than could get into to Metacraft, and it was just a, a, another place to explore. So connected the, you know, we usually get like 20 people that come out to those meetups, uh, stream that as well. Um, we've had 17 of them so far, and I mean that's where I've met so many people uh, in the community. It's it's been a, a quite amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they're not always the same 20 people, you know, at all. There's a variety of people that come in. Um, latest we had the guy who created Game Face. He was in there chatting with us. Uh, the awesome. chat guys got Game Face to work with it, 
and really just seeing those kind of connections made and, and just doing it every week to make sure that, you know, you don't know what you're going to discover there, but I feel like the networking piece, like what SVVR is doing, um, what any meetups are doing, um, and, and meetups are kind of how I found my job that I have currently is that, that kind of stuff, those, those groups that you can go to really are huge. Um, and since we're all over the world, which we have people in Europe and in Australia, part of all this and the Metacraft server, I met people from everyone in the United States, and, and we try to connect up in these places, and it's, it's super satisfying. And um, all this kind of led into then I wanted to do the roundtable show uh, on RiffMax and have some of these people that I know on because we have, we've had these discussions for four hours, for eight hours, you know, on end. And it just made sense. Let's do discussion show. Um, and it was great to be able to meet a lot of developers through VR meetups um, and through Bruce's stream. You know, there's just a lot of people there showing their demos so you can have a chat with them or invite them over. Um, and so now that's what's been happening. I invited you on the show. You were a great guest to have. Thank you, sir. It's been wonderful. Yeah, no, it's been it's a beautiful thing to see just this grassroots movement of people and personalities and groups and just, uh, you know, converging on this on this single uh, subject that is it's just a notion of of. Of, you know this the VR there's so much to talk about there's so much to share within it and and it just feels like uh, I've never seen anything like it you know to, to be frank I just it, it, perhaps it's a sign of our times that you know our our, our internet is becoming uh, so uh, ubiquitous everywhere around the world that we're just utilizing it more and more I don't know if I wonder if we had the internet that we have now uh, I wonder if uh, in the 90s when vr when the the first coming of vr like ha had we had the internet that we had now that we have now like would have had a better chance at succeeding yeah. I, I don't know i can talk about that a little bit what do you uh, think specific thing in like 98 99 i was exploring vr ml worlds so these are web browser based 3d worlds um it didn't work very well because back then i didn't have the money to really buy good graphical systems i couldn't even play a lot of games sometimes uh, that other people got to play um but uh, I tried it out, and it was very jerky and whatnot, and I'm on a, a, a modem at like 56K, I think, was, was going on then. Um, and uh, if we certainly had fatter pipes, would, these worlds would be much richer. Um, and I don't know about the whole headset part of it, though. I mean, so, I, you know, mobile technology, having these mobile screens, uh, and also having Kickstarter available, these were huge parts of the equation as well. But fat internet pipes, I think, are, it, it's weird to see, like, how do you layer everything? And, you know, all of these are sort of like mediums in a way, uh, just like going from radio to TV or something like that. Um, it's very interesting to me. I love this kind of topic. But when you start going down that rabbit hole, it, it gets kind of confusing. Yeah, I wonder uh, in terms of um, let me ask you this: in your mind, what is the worst case scenario for this industry, and what is the best case scenario? Have you thought about that? Oh, those—you just went and asked me to go from just do it all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so worst, I'm a pretty bit, I'm pretty much an optimist. Uh, uh, I'm I'm not always positive in my personality and attitude, but overall, I tend to be more optimistic of things. I think humanity will be good, not be good, but uh, you know, won't let everything go to shit. Um, but um, you know, the worst case is we just nobody likes VR. But it's hard for me to see just based on the people I've met. And even when I put people into it myself that I know around here, they're usually like, wow, and, and surprised and compelled just from a DK1. And some get sick, 
had one of my friends barfing in my backyard. Um, but for the most, like if everybody's barfing, that's going to be about the worst it could get. Yeah. Uh, the best it can get now, this is what I'm mostly interested. This is the VR social stuff exploding. Uh, this is education exploding. This is ultimately, you know, being able to turn ourselves inside out and to show each other our dreams uh, and what makes each other up because I think communication can enhance um, just exponentially. Uh, I think it can, if basically that I can, uh, this is when you're plugged in a bit more. This is not just, you know, 10 years away. This is, again, ultimate stuff. Um, this is, you know, your dreams come, you can show your dreams, you can share them, you can really start to get at yourself, learn from that, and really share your real self, not just the, you know, the stuff that you choose to share with people, but I think you'll be in a safer place uh, in this sort of um, super future where, um, you know, sort of one thing that I thought of as a simple maybe piece of software to build now to start to demonstrate this could be um, with speech recognition. And while you're talking, things that you're saying are getting picked up through the AI and, you know, how to do this is not really something I know, but I figure uh, a prototype could be made and you would say certain things and, and shapes could maybe pop out or, um, you know, in place in your environment, different sizes, you could say the Eiffel Tower and boom, there's the Eiffel Tower kind of comes up. Hmm. Hopefully it's elegant and all of that. Um, and then even more towards your environment starts changing to meet what you're talking about and changes your places while you're talking to kind of, it emphasizes more communication. So really VR is the ultimate extension of human tools or the ultimate extension of man. And I, yeah, I mean, I think the Oculus folks are basically preaching a lot of this uh, really high, high up there, high pie in the sky kind of ideas. Cause they sort of see that as well. Um, it's, it's like the uh, philosopher's stone. It's the ultimate tool. Uh, the way I see it. I'm with you on this one. I, I, in terms of your best case scenario, I think that humanity as a whole in the future, I don't know how far away, but uh, who knows? But when we, but when we get there, humanity will take a quantum leap. Will, will, in, in, in the, in the way we communicate with each other, in the way we express ourselves, in the way we connect. I, that, and that, I, I want to ask you, what do you think are the ramifications of the best case scenario for humanity once this, you know, once we arrive to this at this super future? What is the best or what is the worst? When you when we reach the best case scenario, what do you think is going to be the ramifications for humanity? Right. Well, that's interesting. Um, I mean, it's like you think about the social thing and you're being less social by being connected to these VR worlds, but in some ways you're going to be more social. Uh, it's hard to say. It's like, what are the ramifications of TV? Um, I could say one of the ramifications of radio, or not radio, but the telephone, mm -hmm. was that um, people really stayed in the same areas and never really left. But when the telephone was invented, you could travel across the country and still stay in contact with mom and dad. And so that allowed people to start, you know, freely start uh, leaving and, and again, populating a lot of other areas. So that's like a uh, an effect of that medium. And so what are going to be the effects of this medium? hard to say the ramifications are going to be good and they're bad and some terrible things i mean i thought up some terrible brainwashing things that could happen if you know people that would do a brainwashing thing could certainly take this technology and do something with it and leave somebody strapped into it for five years crazy something like that uh, 
Um, I do. And then there's like, I wonder, are we going to screw ourselves up sometimes? Like I'm in this thing. I, I was in it for like 12 hours is my longest period of time. Wow. Um, it didn't really do that much to me. Uh, maybe, you know, I took some 15 minute breaks, you know, here and there it was during a Metacraft event and we were working our way, working ourselves, you know, away there. Um, but you know, do do you start to lose grip with reality? I mean, I think it's, if you're investing all your time in it, then you are going to disassociate from this reality and you're going to be more in that reality. Um, but I think ultimately um, when the technology gets so good, if people are all there and doing a lot of stuff there and you're doing it with them, then I think you're going to feel great. Like that's the big part of humans is we like to collaborate and we love each other. And this is, what we need the most. And so I think we can get that there. Um, it's like, like, uh, and so the Oasis, you know, was not this, uh, in the ready player one, that's the name of their, you know, internet, uh, or their VR, um, verse, mm-hmm. uh, their metaverse. And, yeah. It wasn't necessarily, the world was actually pretty negative, but the Oasis wasn't really negative. It was a great place for them to go, to be educated, to live out their fantasies and, and whatnot so it's like a super tv or or whatnots but uh that's about what i'm imagining at the moment yeah i it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy it's just there's no way to predict what it is what are the ramifications of of, of this in the long run you bring something really interesting up in terms of you pulling off 12 hours in in the rift i you know i want to see someone try to do a week and uh, and and let and, and, and let's see if we can figure out how can we practically in in a practical manner uh how can someone stay inside the rift for a hundred hours whether you know and and be and be able to poop and be able to pee and be able to eat uh, without Gee, having to no leave taking breaks yes and and maybe this could be like second generation rift or third generation rift right but like but but i wonder you know what that would do to that person's mind uh, uh, a week, a marathon, you know, maybe we'll give them astronaut diapers or something, but, you know, because right. it would just, you know, I just, I'm, I'm thinking about it, like, that, that, that could be in, I don't know, it could be, uh, because there's no research, there's, no one's done that, and I, and I just yeah. wonder what it would do to someone's mind, um, perhaps they'd be like, oh, okay, you know, I'm just back, or, or they would be like, holy shit, where am I? Who? What time is it? <laughs> well, of course, they would need to. You still have to allow them to sleep. Uh, True. Yes. To give them that, because if you don't do that, then that, they're just going to be all screwed up just because they don't have sleep. But Indeed. let's say they're sleeping or whatever. At least they're eight hours. They get to just take the helmet off. I'm not really sure. And I do think because it's going to be very difficult to do the pooping thing. <laughs> probably just give them their few bathroom breaks, just like you know, you know, three or four a day or something. Um, but, but that does break the thing you're trying to test a little there, like full immersion in that entire time. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, still a week with some breaks would be huge, uh, to, to pull off. So I always, I, I kind of vision this a little bit differently. Um, so I think that'd be great to happen. If I could be a guy that does that, that would be interesting to me. And you would um, make history. <laughs> I think so. I'm, I'm, I, that would be cool. I'm not expecting to be, you know, famous from that, but to, uh, you know, a little, a little triumph in something that's a little bit different and out there you, you don't think you're going to be doing that in your life it's just kind of something that presented itself so why not try it uh but what i was thought that would be interesting was like a 24-hour situation mm-hmm. with a bunch of people where everybody stays there the entire 24 hours wow yes that's even funner yeah yeah because it does get kind of lonely <laughs> yeah so what are you going to do for those 100 hours that's the biggest question skyrim right now the technology yeah. yeah you could do skyrim so 
uh, depending on if you can handle that for a hundred hours. For me, that one got me a little bit uh, upset with the stomach. So I didn't mm. try to configure it even more than just kind of out of the box, but, uh, um, it would all depend. I think of course, you, you know, DK2 or the consumer rift and we have some, you know, impressive titles that can keep you going for a hundred hours. Uh, then yeah. Maybe, maybe a chair, maybe, maybe like a, a reclining chair that you can, that, that you can, uh, that can recline so that when you want to sleep, it'll just recline by itself without you having, and, and the, the chair would have a hole and your with your butt cut out and then you just poop in there without having to leave your seat. And yeah. And then the, and it was just, yeah, I'm, I'm trying really hard to make it, make it somehow practical. Um, cause I, I, I just, yeah, for science at least. Or you just have to, to be on your toilet the entire time. That's your chair. <laughs> oh yeah. No, my legs go numb after a while after I'm yeah, rousing cool. Reddit on the toilet. My girlfriend gets mad. She's like, why do you do this to yourself? I'm like, it's an addiction. I'm internet. It's, um, a man, I'm a man of the 21st century. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, did you do you sit on the toilet for for very long periods of time, or are you more of like a boom? I got sh I gotta get shit done. Uh, I'll hang out around uh, with my <laughs> phone and read some stuff. Um, and then other times I'll get going. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a random question, but uh, and so going back to uh, virtually incorrect. What is your what are your plans for the future of this of this program? Where are you trying to take it? Um, you know, what what's your grand vision if you if, you know if you indulge me in it. All right, first time asked that. Uh, that's very interesting. Uh, really, it's because my goals are so low right now. They are to do this show every week. Mm. That's definitely the baseline here. And it's kind of why I structured the format the way it is. Um, I thought that uh, a discussion show would work well. Um, and I thought using stories from uh, Reddit is uh you know taking stuff from the community and presenting it to our guests and allowing them to talk about that you know it's not like i have to write content um i just get to kind of connect people again it's like connecting these developers and vr personalities and enthusiasts with stories that most likely they've already read and i've read but just bringing the ones that i curate uh to the show and it's not a ton of work. It's definitely work, and I've got to get the guests. Uh, my my job is to get the you know the the, the guests in the audience and uh, pick the stories and basically get the whole rundown of the show together and share it with our guests, and uh, coordinate with Mike and Kane. And Mike and Kane, of course, run Riftmax, and they take care of everything else, the the production side of things. They do the there's actually you know of course we've seen it. Uh, there's camera work uh, done inside the Rift. They're able to pan cameras, uh, zoom in on people. They have different cuts to different you know. Know, uh, the different guests and whatnot and cuts over to the ca uh, audience and it, that's you know work that's happening on the fly inside of Riftmax. I find it to be a really interesting feature of Riftmax. Um, so they can produce a show and not only just do they do just that, they actually Kane specifically edits the show down and makes it you know uh, the best it can be and and then uh, it's it's hosted on the virtual guinea pig uh, part of their team that's Flake um, mm -hmm. on his uh, YouTube account. Uh, and uh, that makes sense for marketing re reasons. And basically, I'm able to come into this team with what I have, and then they have um, everything that, that they're able to bring. And it's just this great relationship where, where um, I don't have to overextend myself. By do if I wanted to do a show before, I would probably have to do a lot of that editing and, and, and whatnot. I'm a big fan of just kind of showing up and doing the show and, and getting the guests and doing the community thing that I do already um, and not really – taking on more technical work that I've already got plenty of that with my day job. 
Yeah, those uh, Kane, Kane, and Kane and Kane and Mike are true scholars and gentlemen of virtual reality, and they're total pros. Yep. I, I gotta give, yeah, I gotta give them props for you know for the amount of work and the quality of work they're putting out there. So yeah, very detailed. Very cool stuff. And so, what is, you know, let's let's get back to gaming. Uh, what is your favorite game of all time? Okay. Um, let me oh, think. top three. Let's do top three. Uh, probably Miss Pac-Man. Really? Uh, the one from Nintendo yeah, 64? One. No, the one from the arcade. You know, it's okay. it's this Miss Pac-Man's a little faster than regular Pac-Man, and that's a one I will always play when I go to the arcade. So I wanted to grab one from there. Um, a huge Unreal Tournament player back in the late 90s. Nice. One of my friends here had a T1 connection and hosted a server, and we'd go over there for parties and, you know, just modded levels and all kinds of uh, cool stuff there. So I'm going to pick that one. Um, Jeez. You know, I've already said Half-Life 2, Team Fortress 2. I'm just trying to think of something else a little different. Um, well, you have a pretty good so list. Many games. Yeah, you have a pretty good list so far. I mean, that Miss Pac-Man and uh, Unreal Tournament. Unreal Tournament brings just nostalgia to my to my mind. It's and I and I'm really really crossing my fingers for them to like integrate VR uh, for their next installment because that would be. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked that because it's like we want to build the next Unreal Tournament with you, and it's a you know. Uh, I, I believe it's all open source, and let's do it together and get all the devs together. So I think you know that discussion's like already happening in the forums and whatnot. So I'm pretty excited that that'll be the case, and let's just hope it's you know I can already play Team Fortress 2 in the Rift, no problem. So I don't think I'm going to have much of an issue, but of course I want people to play with on there. So uh, hopefully it works for everybody. In terms of that development development model, I've I don't I'm not familiar uh, with anyone else doing that 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 style like you know bringing along the community to make the game together that's to me that's i've i don't know anyone else and i wonder like is this going to be is this a, a glimpse of the future of of, of games and game creation uh, I, I gotta say epic is uh just you know balling right now with with and, and on fire with you know releasing unreal engine 4 at 20 20 bucks a month and then and then now there's this announcement with Unreal Engine, uh, well, Unreal, with Unreal Tournament, like uh, this is, you know, it's it's there. What there's, who is uh, behind this revolu these revolutionary things that are coming out of this company? And I mean, this is just so cool. And yeah, it's a it's a breath of fresh air. I mean, these, especially come from those guys. I uh, I love Unreal already, so it's uh, awesome. Uh, UDK, I think, was uh, so. I also um, uh, helped start and uh, work with Team Metatron, which was basically a bunch of us from Metacraft that wanted to do more than what we were doing just by playing games, but to become developers. And, uh, and then I've also taken the route of trying to be a, a VR personality. Um, but, uh, UDK was going to be a little bit too far off. So we actually played with Torque, which is open source mm -hmm. 
and um, that's that's a love of mine, you know, and that goes back community as well. Um, I work work with Drupal, and Drupal is an open source project, and part of like our budget with our company is to actually take time to contribute back to the software. So we write modules, you know, that go back to the community, and so the com- and so there's no selling actually on that community. You don't sell the, any modules or software there. Nobody does that. Um, how you make money is by being a web designer and a developer and setting this up for clients and whatnot. So the software is extremely open and free, and it just works really well in that community. Uh, I've noticed with the the gaming community, it could be you know different than that. And I was a little kind of taken back. And so when Torque was an option, I thought, well, you know, it's it's available to us. Why don't we check it out since not a lot of other people were. Um, but we did feel limited there. There wasn't, you know, the asset store and it was proving difficult, even though we were able to prototype some stuff there. Um, but now we're in UE4 and uh, my um, uh, teammates, uh, Nate 8 and Mitch, um, these guys have been on my show, maybe the first or second shows. Um, and also Ashaka, they've basically been working hard on VR chess. Nice. VR chess.net. Uh, so, and my role has, has been a lot of uh, think tank, um, have a lot of ideas and visual direction. Um, um, not with Chester, didn't really uh, do a lot with that. That was more Mitch uh, and those guys. But we have a lot of ideas going on right now and things, projects that we're starting. And then mostly I do the website. So, of course, since that's what I do during the day. And uh, it's just been great to now, since January, we've been doing that. So we have like July to December playing with Metacraft uh, and checking out demos, right? And then meeting people in Metacraft and going, okay, this is great. We're building lots of things. And then now we want to kind of make something a little more than what we're able to do in Minecraft. And it starts turning into like what we should develop, you know, and some of us, uh, you know, we're already starting to do that. So it's really interesting to make this team and the team's really open to the community as well. It's like, come on board if, and it's this unique team that works this way. And if you have, you know, whatever skill sets, we'll have tasks for you to do. And then you, we can check them off, get a sense of accomplishment and participate in this bigger thing. So uh, the next plan is an API uh, with UE4. I can't, I don't really know even how to talk about it in detail. So I'm not going to even try. <laughs> uh, my Nate would be like, oh my God, it's probably, you know slapping his forehead going, oh no, Dunter's ruining it. So um, we can go to our website, uh, team, uh, or sorry, metatronvr.com, and uh, there'll be postings and stuff up there, and um, we'll uh, keep everybody looped in as things kind of progress. We're still a bit new at getting things out, so it's uh, very interesting. Sounds good. In terms of uh, how far away are we from being able to download a demo of VR chess? I don't know. Um, That's a good answer. Hopefully soon. Um, it was demoed for someone privately, uh, and uh, so I think that went well. And I believe that means it should be coming soon. But um, uh, I would have to. You should have Nate Eight on your your show, and you can ask him all about those details and whatnot. And um, I wish I could, you know, knew or, or could say a little bit more. It kind of changes rapidly, and so now it's actually starting to uh, get a little hard to be around and having all the chats that we used to do because now there's there's even more people that have joined the team like a uh, piece of fruit uh he's nice. joined and we have friends like uh max and worm slayer and additives and micah that are always helping us and then also every day is going to be helping as well so there's kind of all these conversations and one of the things that we all look at and talk and sometimes we find ourselves doing that a lot more than getting things done so we've kind of started getting into some of our own silos and we want to you know organize things and get uh get everybody continued into the loop and, and keep things uh, moving along, which they basically are. So it's just interesting to see this, um, 
organized thing coming about and it's, it's definitely needs uh, its time and attention. Yeah, definitely. What do you think, in your opinion, would be uh, something Oculus can do to uh, contribute to helping or slash supporting developers such as yourselves? I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I wonder what you know. You having experience with so many other developers, you know, what is the general consensus, or is there a consensus as to what developers need or want from Oculus at this point? Uh, money, lots of money. <laughs> that's what the consensus is. If you really got down to it with any of them, <laughs> uh, but that's hard because there's obviously a lot of uh, people out there that need money. And how do they pick? Uh, you know, one over the other. Um, and you know, if that was like their primary thing they needed to do, I could see them figuring that out. But I'm sure they got a lot of other things going on. And this might be part of the plan, but something in our community that's hard, we don't know what's really going on. So we just wonder and wonder and wonder. And uh, things like these big announcements that end up happening, and they change things. And it's so, so interesting. But, uh, um, but yeah. Yeah, so you have to remain agile as as you know new changes are are arriving. And in terms of, for example, DK two now is designed for a seated experience, right? And so now you're if you're if you have a game that is designed to be stand up or preferably stand up, now you have to find a way to hack around that or or you know I I just yeah it's an interesting uh, dilemma I guess that developers are are in. You know they're they're just uh, hanging on to. I guess you know, hang on to whatever they have now, and then when Oculus releases a, a news or updates, they just have to adapt and, and go yeah. with the flow, right? I guess like their technology, you know, obviously keep working on that. The SDK um, and like the Oculus Share uh, situation, that's really cool. That's a I think that helps out. Um, and I was thinking one other, but I can't remember. Yeah, what is that is an interesting in terms of Oculus Share. What is what do you think is going to be the the primary store for VR content? Is it going to be is Oculus going to have their own storefront? Uh, is Steam going to be the storefront for VR content? What what's your what are you? Well, right now it looks like Oculus has more stuff there, so mm -hmm. I think people gravitate to where the stuff is and. You know, I know the supported stuff over there on Steam, but it's not like when I want to go find new things. Uh, of course, I go to like Simon Bruce or something, but uh, I definitely go to 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 Oculus Share. It's just organized well. It looks good. I can get things easily. I can see comments and vote things. So um, it's works well right now. I think there'll be a number of these things. Just you know, the one that kind of wins out will. We'll see if basically Oculus has that situation that they went out with that. I'm sure they'll then do more than what Oculus Share is right now. Of course, it'll become something much, much more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's gonna be it's gonna be super interesting. What is your take on arcades? Do you think VR is gonna bring them back? I want them to. I'm not sure if that'll end up really materializing unless these experiences are, are just wild, like that that you really couldn't afford this technology in your your home, like. Um, like rooms or, you know, or um, uh, um, like warehouses that have VR experiences in. But again, these things are expensive. Um, so it's challenging. I would love to be one of those guys. And I was down in, I live in South Florida. And so I was down in Miami and is that an arcade there? It was a pretty decent arcade and um, wanted to chat more with the owner, but he wasn't there. And so I, you know, curious what they think and how much that they would want to invest and, you know, is it just going to be a novelty at first or people, you know, it's a different kind of crowd than people that are consuming at their home. And 
for, I guess if you could put me in like a, I saw something where you could be in, um, you know, like a cockpit, but this cockpit went in every direction. It would turn you completely upside down. Yeah. I've never seen that yet. And I was like, well, that, yeah, where's those at? And I'm sure money just comes into a, a lot of this, you know, and whatnot and I'm, or upkeep, you know, things break. I would want that in my house. I would want that in my living room. I want to be playing Star Citizen or E-Valkyrie or, you know, what was, name your game, Star Fox, in it, with that sort of setup. I mean, sure, it would cost thousands and thousands of dollars, but I think it would be worth it to, you Maybe know. Maybe you feel like you're really flying yeah. or something. Like, you can't really go and do that, you know, without going through a lot of expense and training. So... Uh, and then you can't do it in a dogfighting way or anything that's cool. So, hell yeah. No, it would be amazing, I think. What do you think are the, uh, you know, just general applications of VR, uh, you know, it, both positive and negative? You know, because obviously it's not just for gaming and we've been talking about social, but you know, outside of social and gaming, what do you think people are going to adapt VR to? Well, I mean, I guess everybody knows that I love talking about this, and it's that porn. That porn's an obvious uh, <laughs> <laughs> situation that we're going to want to do. Let's um, let's talk specifics. How would porn okay. work? Let's how, how would uh, porn uh, work out with VR in your mind? I guess uh, I, there's no way that I can picture um, you know CGI NPC kind of characters doing it for me. So it has to be real people. Uh, so there's, I guess, two ways. One is the only way I can really imagine, which is like video, 360 video, where you're experiencing either that person or, the, you know, that kind of situation. You see the video and you can look around everywhere, which is like, you know, 3D films and all of that or uh, whatever it would be. Those are, you know, and that just that brings me to a whole bunch of things. Like I would love to record my life and then be able to play it back sort of thing. So that's basically what you're doing, playing back somebody else's situation and this happens to be porn or it could be your girlfriend or something i mean that could be great for mm -hmm. people that you know would normally do skype but maybe they could do 360 video and that would be interesting or i guess the other is you know you have avatars um but it is a real person so at least there's that connection you're still um uh you know bringing up uh you know uh topics that are related to that and having somewhat of an experience there but that doesn't really seem to appeal to me and i guess until that happens to me but uh um but porn will be interesting or just like a wall of cams you know like basically it's just extending your computer a bit for you and one of the, the interesting things is the rift provides privacy so nobody you know if you don't have your screen on uh right now we mirror these things but of course you you won't have to do those things in the future um and so it could be complete private porn and that's kind of interesting you know look at it yeah and and then you get caught and they're just watching you while you're just in there <laughs> in your own world uh yeah, come on. Yeah, and and porn, I, I'm I'm totally for it. Like, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. Um, but in terms of like having cyber VR porn with with real people versus avatars, and and there's there's this different like I think there's a different paradigm now. Like, you know, when I go inside Riftmax Theater and I'm surrounded by other human beings as avatars, like I it's weird. Like, I feel like there's real people there. Like, I don't know if I could, you know, whereas a few years ago, I was playing Second Life, uh, 
And all I would do was just slut around. All I would do is just have sex with everyone. Men, women, Canadians, everyone. I was just going all out. Like, I was just, you know, because I didn't care. I was just, you know, I, I had yeah. this disconnect. I had a screen in front of me. I had this avatar. But with VR, I, I am that thing. that, that And it's just the, the feeling is a, a bit more visceral. And, and so, yeah, I, I wonder if it's either going to you know libris we're gonna see a new sexual revolution because people are going to desensitize themselves or slowly you know um, break away from their phobia of of sex or ta the taboo of sex in vr and then they're gonna be like why the fuck am i not doing it in real life you know like i i just you know i wonder what that what it's gonna do to people's minds and, and inside our own culture like are we gonna be you know more liberal in terms of our sexual attitudes because it's just going to be so easy and simple and straightforward to do it in vr and then and then we're going to want to cross it over to the real life right um i think uh i think it's my wife just came home so sitting <laughs> nice. here talking about porn <laughs> and i'm stumbling at trying to find the next words i think i was going to go into teledildonics or something um uh so I think mainly it comes down to that you it's these connections that you can make. So if you can make deep connections with people, then they could want to have those experiences. And I guess they could be avatars and where you had some sort of input, uh, output peripherals that you could share uh, in that experience, then uh, why not try that? And I'm sure that could, could go uh, pretty far away. And one of the other ideas that I thought of that could be really interesting is chat roulette. It's uh -huh. not really sex. It's actually helping take the sex out of it. It's it's um, you know your avatars at that point, so you're not seeing you know penis all the time. There's no changing your avatar to penis. It's restricted, uh, so you're really there to to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation to whoever's there. There's still going to be trolls, and that would all be part of it still. But uh, I just I kind of would like to if there was enough pool of people to do random just connect people and have a chat. Yeah, and by the way, I I love Canadians. Uh, I just from experience, I found out that Canadians are the most horny people on Second Life. That's that's all. Uh, <laughs> I played Second Life for a little bit, and I remember my friend dragging me to some of those places, and I just couldn't understand it. You know, I, I was disconnected as well, and I would just ask these weird questions, and then I got kicked out, and I was like, I I don't understand. <laughs> what if you know? What if we are able to? You know, I, the person who is able to make 3D scans of our own bodies and then take those models and put them in VR. And then when you look down at your hands, it's like, holy shit, these are my re these are my hands. But they're, they were just scanned by some sort of scanner. Like, and, and then and then imagine if you get hacked and all of a sudden everybody's able to see your naked body scanned on Facebook. Like, ha, you know, I don't know. That would be because this is <laughs> you shouldn't do that just like you shouldn't put a new picture of yourself on the internet but <laughs> well, that's why people probably won't put exactly themselves wouldn't they modify it to some degree i'll make my penis like eight eight feet long that's how <laughs> that's... the thing is you still wouldn't necessarily feel each other just because you looked like yourselves True. so i'm not sure you need haptics and again those uh, uh you know, teledildonics or other sort of hardware. There's going to there's be a hardware whole thing to, to go with this uh, porn revolution. Where is the holy grail of teledildonics? Uh, I mean, we're reaching the one, the holy grail of, of, of the, the HMD, the, the visual part, right? We got eventually, and, and we'll, we'll settle down on 3D audio. Um, but what do you think is the holy grail of teledildonics? Um, in the butt... <laughs> 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 <In the butt. laughs> 
<laughs> I, I mean, I actually don't know the technology that well. I sit here and talk about these things a lot, and I think because I think they're just interesting and should be explored. And I like talking about the things that uh, not everybody might talk about. Uh, um, but I actually don't know the whole technology that well. I just assume, though, it's it's just to be able to tr- to transfer that those feeling, you know, that um, the, the 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 thrust or whatever you would need to to accomplish your goal there. I mean, if we had gloves and we had haptic feedback and some other hardware, uh, I don't know. I think you could start to get there. Would it, would it, uh, would it be too creepy or would it be, do you think in your mind, would it be too invasive if we get to the point at which we're able to put electrodes on our heads and those electrodes can activate certain motions in our bodies? So for example, like I'm, I'm, I'm having sex in VR and these, these electrodes are connected to the part of my brain that makes me ejaculate and all of a sudden, boom, I, you know, eruption, you know, because, or, or, or do we need something physical? Like would, would, in your mind, would that be too crazy, like too invasive if we started putting some form of electro electrodes or because I've seen this like uh, I, I've seen a few articles in, in research where they've been they've been simulating lucid dreaming just by putting shooting electrical signals into the brain now. Um, and, and I feel like it's in the grasp of our own reality, the point at which we'll be able to interface our minds to the computer. Um, but are, would you be willing to do that, though? <laughs> Uh, I, I always say I would be willing to do it. Yeah. I, I like want to live in VR and let's let, I wouldn't do it first. There's no way. Um, I would make sure a whole bunch of other people did it first. So <laughs> that's definitely the case. I don't like, I don't want surgery or anything like that, but if those things are tools that are working and they're like that, then I imagine that we can get to some places with those tools and, and then get into that specific place of being able to, uh, orgasm or something based on brain chemistry that's been transmitted through the software that says, do it. And I find though, people are going to get just addicted to that. It's going to tell us to do it, do it, do it, do it. But, um, I mean, that kind of stuff getting into the brain is just another whole thing. I mean, now we're not just going to be doing getting in the brain just for virtual reality. We're going to get into the brain to do all kinds of things just in our normal life. Mhm. Yeah, and and now that is just a whole another you know can of worms yeah. in terms of what it means to be human, what it means to have privacy, what it means to you know live in a in a society uh, where do we have are we are we going to have free will? Or are we going to have you know venomous people trying to manipulate us once we start interfacing uh with with machines? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, no, uh, I think man tries to do anything and everything. I mean, if it could be exploited and there's some sort of benefit, and not even if there's that much of a benefit, you know, it's like just exploration a lot of times. And by the way, sorry if you hear some clicky-clack. It's no my dog, long nails, just walking around the, the house. What kind of dog do you have? I have a pit mix. Oh, nice. Nice, 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 nice. He's like 13 years old. Wow, that's a good age. Yeah, he's pretty chill. Nice. Yeah, I have a mutt. She's, um... She's cool. <laughs> but but yeah, you know, are you more are you do you think are you are you worried about that sort of future? Are you, you know, and and I wonder like does it worry you? Are we going to end up being the old man later on, you know, complaining about all oh, these kids with their trying to marry their robots and inside VR? Uh, I wonder if we're going to become like, you know, like the baby boomers, how they look at our generation and they're like you know, they're thinking, you know, not all of them, but I, I've run into people who think, you know, who've, who've told me like, yeah, your generation's fucking up. And I'm like, bitch, you don't know me. <laughs> like, 
I can't yeah. I can't speak for everyone else, but I, I'm doing something. It's not much, but I'm doing something. So I wonder if we're gonna become that. If the in, eventually we're gonna become, like, you, you know, are you gonna? Are, do you think you're gonna become that? I don't know. Get off my VR lawn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think so as much. I'm pretty much a kid at heart. You know, I watch cartoons all the time. I was just watching Reboot, which you probably don't remember. I actually do. I remember uh, that show, actually. That's a good show. Huh. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, since I hadn't watched it since back then. Recently wow. I started watching that. But that's anyways, old uh, school. Kid at heart. Yeah. And um, I feel like I, I'm really excited about having VR being available for me through my whole life and then even towards the end of my life where you know, before I die, I would love to be connecting with people still in VR and, you know, would be able to still be mobile in VR, um, and those sorts of things. Yeah. What, what is the most, what is the worst thing that someone can do with, uh, with this technology? I was thinking Clockwork Orange Ex and, you know, they basically brainwash, uh, their inmate there and have their eyes open the entire time. And it's, it's just this terrible experience and it totally brainwashes and trains the, the person. So I can see, you know, something like that happening where, uh, you know, somewhere crappy, you know, somebody is like, I'm going to feed you this information for a long time or a certain amount of time every day or whatever, you know, whatever it'd be. Yeah, that would be. Let's talk. Let's let's walk in that direction in terms of using VR in prisons. Uh, and and it's. I'm sure a lot of people are like thinking like, holy crap, that they're crazy. But like, I wonder if there's value to that in in terms of rehabilitation, uh, tr tr life training, uh, and and perhaps like, you know. But I wouldn't want to. But here's the thing: like that's where that's where I would draw the line. I wouldn't want to use VR to punish people f for crimes. Though. Right. Yeah. No, I think people in prison. You know, I think they're they have internet access in in, in some situations and whatnot. And that, you know, of course, they're providing tools for their inmates. It's not meant to be a life without anything. It's just a restricted life. So. Uh, I could see them doing it. Like, if this stuff works for education, then why wouldn't you bring? You know, you the inmates are educated. So I think that could go right along with that. And, uh, maybe they would allow them to use it beyond that. And it definitely could be a way, you know, uh, I don't know if they would allow them to escape all the time. I wonder if that would defeat the purpose of, uh, what they're doing, but mm -hmm. I guess if they're watching TV, they're sort of escaping. So it'd be interesting what people would want and think about that. Yeah. It would shut them up enough and you'd be like, that's fine. Just let them sit there in VR, give them a, you know, a very small space mm -hmm. <laughs> where they're hooked up to a catheter and they just, that's it. Holy shit, that sounds like the Matrix all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Matrix are bad people. What, what's it, bad? <laughs> are are you more optimistic or more pessimistic in terms of the point at which we'll reach the singularity if if you think it even right, will will we mm. re will reach it? Well, it's interesting, you know, people predict like the end of the world and they predict these singularities or guy Terrence McKenna that I'm a big huge fan of he's into psychedelics he well he just was in the 70s and he was pioneering psychedelic research in the Amazon for tons of time and he was in like the lecture circuit and then he got into like the rave scene and he was doing trippy talks there and stuff so he had a, a this this calculation that 2012 you know it ended up being this the Mayan calendar ending well his calculation based on things he was researching and not knowing about any Mayan thing he came to the same conclusion and I don't 
you know, it was always this thing like, uh, you know, who knows? I don't know about that. But I always was interested in the day, you know, and so the day came and passed, of course, as I thought it, it would. But it wasn't really necessarily about like end times, maybe, you know, something uh, new was going to come about that would change things. And so VR sort of seemed to be coming out of 2012. So I kind of put it towards that. But that, that's the thing, I think, with all these things is you're kind of put what you want to make what you want it to mean. And I think the motivation is because we're going to die someday and we would like to see this more ultimate thing or uh you know be there when the ultimate thing happens in our lifetimes but you know who knows if we will i know we're definitely you know technology and how it's it's riding it's it's it, we say exponential i'm not sure you know how do you slice it because again you're not talking about just cpu power or graphical power we're talking like people are all involved in this technology and so the growth of things is not predictable and uh uh to you know to a finite level. And so it's, it's, it's interesting, but I'm a positive person to, and think that, and that's why I want to help build this to be, uh, uh, I think I want to help build, make us a good place. I, I'd rather see us be citizens of VR over like consumers of VR. If I had a chance to, to do that. Yeah. It's VR is just, uh, I think it is, it, it's like, um, it's like the Gutenberg machine, you know, people, it, you know, it, it's, it came about and it changed everything. Um, but it wasn't the end of the world. It was just, just, it was just a paradigm shift in people's, uh, you know, cultural consciousness. Um, and it's just the way the world operated. Uh, and so that's, yeah, that one's huge. <laughs> yeah. And so I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you in, in, in terms of that. What do you think, you know, do you think people are going to experiment with, uh, with drugs and, and virtual reality? Do you think we're going to be able to see a new, era of, 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 of recreational drugs that immerse you even more or throw you into the world even more? Uh, I, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I hope. <laughs> and <laughs> I, like I think yes. And uh, going back to Terrence McKenna, he speculated on virtual reality and cybernetics and stuff too. So it's a very cool guy. And uh, I'm not saying everything that he thought was, was, you know, the gospel or anything like that, but uh, really was an educated person that threw out some really interesting ideas that talked to many people. So one of the things he said was the drugs of the future will be computers hmm. and the computers of the future will be drugs because they're both very similar. Slow down there. What, Hold on. Let me yeah. let, let my mind blow for a sec. So what you're, what you're based around, do you think there'll be, you know, drugs in the future that will be computers or in VR? Same mm -hmm. thing. And so I'd say, yeah, there's probably going to be those drugs, but there might be the computers of the future might actually be drugs. Like you don't actually pop, you know, like the far, far future, like j jacking in or something. Instead, you might be, you know, digesting nano computers, that sort of thing. That would be insane. I mean, it sounds, it sounds, it sounds so crazy, but yet, you know, we live in a world where Dennis Rodman visits North Korea and, and yet, and so everything's possible. Um. Definitely. It surely is. Um, but I'm, 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 Roger Essig is a, one of our community members and he's put out a couple of demos and he lives in, I believe it's Melbourne, but definitely Australia. Um, and he does a real, a lot of really cool things out there. He makes great art. You can look, just type in Roger, uh, E S S I G Roger Essig cool. and you'll find his Facebook and he's all this great artwork. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. Actually the artwork behind me and my show virtually incorrect is artwork from him. Uh, he allowed me to use it. And so he actually is into a lot of psychedelic stuff. As you'll see, his artwork is, it's all throughout that. And he's goes, to a lot of cool you know hippie things out there is just the easiest way to describe it for me and and that's just where i wish i was at so um i really am excited like he had this uh, app called uh, it's just basically the dmt experience and it was a lot of psychedelic uh, colors and just shapes going through space while terence mckenna actually was talking 
And so it was kind of a step in that direction. And so I can't wait to see people doing more and more. There's another app called Sound Self. Yep. Just uh, had an interview with the guy. Really oh, yeah? cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really cool stuff. Uh, I think it's just like 20 bucks or 10 bucks or something like that, maybe a little more. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have any riff uh, support. I just looked straight, and it would listen to the, my microphone, and I would do like, ah, and all the all the visuals would, would match that tone and vibration, and if I changed, it would then match it. And I did that for about 15 minutes, and it was quite a, a, an interesting experience, a uh, a sort of altered, not it's like altered state, but not not really. If I did that for like five hours, I feel like I could be getting somewhere. Um, but it's basically going in that direction. I mean, these things are more enhancers, I think, at this point. If you took drugs and then enhanced it with this stuff, that would be pretty rad. But I think the ultimate thing, you know, because VR is like, again, this philosopher's stone ultimate tool. I think it's going to be able to, with presence, uh, really give us, you know, uh, those kinds of experiences. And you can think of, if you were transported to, like, um, North Korea, for example, to tie back into that, instantly, right now, in the middle of a populated area, it would be such a weird experience. You wouldn't know what anybody was saying. They'd be staring at you. Hmm. And it would it's so, sort of similar to a psychedelic experience or uh, some of them that can, that can go that direction. Um, so really, it's just a different state. It's, it's taking, plucking you out of one state and completely putting you in a foreign state that you're not used to. And I certainly think VR can do that for us. How do you think people are going to react negatively, and how will you respond to 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 the detractors who will say this is just another drug? This is this is this is something that needs to be regulated, and even and perhaps even banned if it gets out of hand. Like, how would you? How do we respond as a community or as an individual yourself? Well, I respond by saying "fuck off." Uh, <laughs> this is America. It's a different thing. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm not sure what a community should do as far as these things. Uh, they should not necessarily should take my stance. Um, but uh, I just have a problem with people having a problem with with. I mean, we're addicted to caffeine and sugar and gasoline and all kinds of addictions are out yeah. there. So uh, I think people should be able to be responsible for themselves. That being said, if I was somebody highly addicted to a substance, I probably wouldn't necessarily think the same. So it's kind of hard for me to say, but uh, I think virtual reality is just going to be addicting. Like games can get addicting or maybe even more because like I'm just tired of my normal life. I really want to spend a lot of time there because I'm meeting people because it's easier or, or whatnot. So yeah it's a beautiful i mean the the it just the idea of the metaverse being this place of of beauty and wonder and and just this having access to instant information and and gratification like that is that can be a dangerous tool in the hands of irresponsible individuals and and you figure like well are we going to have to start educating uh, ourselves about this how, how do we um How do we not allow it to get out of hand? Do we just allow it to get out of hand? Will it work itself out? I mean, what is what's your take on that? I'm really open and I guess liberal, and I just don't think we need the babysitter. Mm. I mean, we should wait for things to happen before we try to. I mean, there's going to be like some moderation of things, but you know. I think people like with the internet, did we go, who, what should we do with the internet? I think the internet just did what people wanted to do with it. And that's what I'm excited about is seeing what people do with virtuality. And I think you should explore all, anything and everything and push the envelope of, of, of what we can do in that space, which is also pushing the envelope of what humans can do. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, in terms of VR, like, and the internet, like, that's an interesting point you bring up, because we did allow the internet to manifest itself without, you know, without regulation. It was, was, it's been the Wild West for the longest time, and I feel like governments and, you know, the, the oligarch interests are taking notice at the fact that like the Arab Spring happened because of, because the internet was used as a tool to uh to to for people to spread information and and, and to organize um and, and I and I realized like you know that potentially VR the metaverse could lead humanity into a post-nationalist world in which I can I, I don't have to feel empathetic for that african child soldier because i've seen their world i i'm i'm I'm, i know what you know what i'm saying like we would be just that much more connected with each other i feel like and that would familiar and and so it would be hard for governments and, and, and and propaganda machines to demonize the other because all of a sudden humanity as a whole i mean this is pie in the sky sort of stuff but humanity as a whole would just become one uh single you know, like super consciousness, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, it, no. The internet is that. It is the, the the collective unconsciousness, or it's the hive mind, or something like that. I mean, it's it's really interesting. Um, I think that, especially just seeing for me personally, being a part of these meetups, uh, I'm getting people from Ireland and UK, all you know, all over the UK there, and and, and France and uh, Japan and uh, Australia, a few places there. Uh, of course, there. I'm in South Florida, so then I'm I'm here, and then we've got people like in Ohio that I've met, South Carolina, uh, out in California, up in Canada. I think, and I'm sure there were some few other odd ones that 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 has come about. But I'm just, it, it's actually they. I go to schedule my show and I can't make it work for everybody that's around the whole globe. So for me, national, you know, the, the barrier of nations is starting to come down. Um, and I really like that because I, that's really what I think VR can do for us is bring down bar- barriers, including that one, including things about drugs or including other, um, maybe just, uh, or the fetish with consumerism. That can maybe die a, a bit because in VR you might want to be more of a creator because creating is going to start to become really easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's the potential here is immense because we could we could we could uh, hold off a bit of our carbon di- you know dioxide emissions and our pollution because we wouldn't have to go commute to school or or commute to work or use our cars as much because now i can be theoretically anywhere around the world instantly you know i can be and we're talking about like fifth generation sixth generation rift like where i'll you know go hang out in tokyo and it'll feel like i'm there and you know all of a sudden it'll be like because here's the thing like i think technology lasts longer than governments and you know, and, and so I just wonder, like, if there's going to be backlash um, if, uh, against against the metaverse because of the, you know, just at one point are the are governments going to realize, holy shit, they're they're so they're you know this super consciousness is you know because here's the thing, like, and I don't mean to get too ranty, but like when I look at the hive mind, when I look at Reddit, sometimes I've been, I I think to myself like, holy shit, this could be the future of democracy. Um, 
because of the upvote and downvote system and and, and just, you know, these things that are being worked out, like, why can't that translate into the metaverse, into, you know, into many communities where, like, my neighborhood has its own of sort of like organization that we go inside the rift and we decide like what we want to vote on and 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 organize on and i I don't i don't know like i i wonder like what the political and social implications of that would be and i i i can only see the oligarchs and the and the politicians being scared of becoming irrelevant in the future right right um I, I don't know if it's a concern or, or not. I guess it could be at this point, but I don't know if there's much going on to be concerning. But I do see maybe later yeah. if that could be the case. And, um, you know, I think that we're a little bit stuck, and I'm not sure everybody thinks that we're in the best system. I mean, we're in one of the best, but not that it couldn't be better, right? We, we do always complain, like, why is it like this? Why is it like that? Mm-hmm. And I don't think we can necessarily, you know, go backwards. We can't just go change it back to how it was or something. We, we like, because a lot of people think it was better before and certain things like that. But instead, I think we have to escape the kind of problems that we have by just moving forward. And, and usually it's with technology. I think technology can bring us uh, out of, of these kind of, global problems uh, again vr maybe being a device that keeps people uh, more involved uh, in the virtual spaces instead of driving their car around everywhere and and causing more pollution as a not that you have to do it but maybe people just end up doing it that way because it's so compelling of an experience and again it costs money to go do the other thing and it might just you know be like a no-brainer as an economic as an yeah i i agree like i think as an economic engine this could change everything because all of a sudden we could be trading inside the metaverse with cryptocurrencies and because the it, it will get to a point at which we will have the democratization of content creation available for everyone on planet earth who has access to the metaverse and all of a sudden you know that kid in ba- Bangladesh will be selling me assets to for me to create stuff, or we'll be trading stories or something like that. Like, and we'll be creating value for each other, um, pegged to a currency that is not, uh, you know, that is not backed by 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 central bank of any government or institution. Uh, you know that like the dollar or the euro, or whatever. Like, it'll be something that is you know what i'm saying like especially in in the in the current market system where like consumption is it's just the the driving engine of everything and and i feel like we're consuming ourselves into extinction <laughs> like self extinction eventually like if we if we just just chill the fuck out like we're we're fucking up the ocean because we're over fishing over whaling where you know where the amazon is oh actually there's good news out of the amazon i heard brazil is actually like uh has slowed down by a lot the whole rainforest uh, uh degradation so so there's good news there but like even still like there's you know consumption happening uh, increasing more and more in america and then these developing countries see developed countries such as ours and they'd be like why can't we have that and all of a sudden you know where do we stand in the moral high ground like no you can't china hold on like you guys can't like we're gonna fuck up the earth but like hey they're gonna say they turn back and say well what the fuck you have it that you've done it all along so why can't we and that's why that's where like this this there's this conundrum like because if all 7.5 billion people on planet earth had the life you know the the privilege and an awesome you know life that a lot of people in developed countries have like 
we would have no planet Earth. Like we would just, I, it would be like you know the world inside of Ready Player One, <laughs> and then we will really need right. the Oasis, because um, like yeah, seven billion people is a lot of people. Yeah, especially well, when they're all consumers, which they're not all, but I I don't know, is it the majority? Yeah, who want picket fences and cars and garages, right? Like maybe not the majority want all that, but are still true. you know decent commute consumers but yeah it's 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 such a, a big thing big complicated thing because it's all tied to economy as well and maybe when it, it does change is when there's just a big screw up you know and then you sometimes you change when you have to change not because you should change but as the you know we're all getting older and the younger people are getting older so there's all these minecraft kids that are going to grow <laughs> up in the future they're maybe they're not as consumer or Maybe they've grown up in this kind of recession thing, so they're a little more uh, not as spendy, a little more frugal. This is maybes, though, because there's so many people, you know, in the country and in the world. So, yeah, but kids getting older are going to bring the values that they have or what they've grown up with. And I don't agree with people saying, oh, you're fucking up the world. I think the world came to us fucked up. I think it I think it'll stay fucked up. I think it's going to be fucked up. And maybe virtuality can help that, but I'm not. I don't think things are going to go away because people, because also it's a judgment of what's fucked up and what I think is fucked up. Somebody else doesn't. So it's really hard to kind of, I think, I guess, virtual reality, if I again can go back and show to somebody the innards of my mind and show them like, hey, this is why I really think things are fucked up. Here it is in a way that you can be held it, you know, behold it, like Mm -hmm. see it, really get the connection and cross that barrier. I mean, it sounds fantastic and I'm not sure how it would actually play out. Why would I be in there showing somebody my mind exactly? But um, I, you know, unless it was like friends that I knew, but, but would I do this with strangers? Is this how um, debates would be handled? Uh, because we're not really sharing at all when we're sharing with people. Yeah, you know, these are really good points in terms of like you know humanity's being you know reactionary. We're gonna we we're not a very proactive species. Like like we're not you know we're not we're not really thinking about like. If we really wanted to, we could develop a, an Earth defense shield against asteroids. And here we are just sort of like, you know, like flipping the coin every day, hoping that, you know, we don't get hit by one of the 500,000 that we can't see yet. Right. And then and then like the other thing that you bring up was really interesting. I think about like, damn it, I lost it. But but yeah, <laughs> but reactionary like we are reactionary and, and it's it's sad because. You know, that's where I think climate change is going to uh, hurt us. And it's going to and I feel like, unfortunately, like I'm a pessimist, pessimist in this sense. You know, I think people will have to suffer and die for humanity to wake up and say, shit, we can't fix this problem, but we have to adapt because otherwise we're going to, you know, Mother Earth will continue on just fine. But humanity will be fucked, you know. Uh, So, yeah, it's just. Oh, I, f- I remember now. I, I think that VR it has so much potential because as we speak in the world we live in, I think humanity is going through a crisis of empathy. We don't give a fuck about each other. And yet we're so connected. We're so connected to the Internet. We're so, you know, we're, we're able to connect with each other through through all these different platforms and social media and all that, yada, yada, yada. But and yet we we're. I feel like a lot of us have never been more lonely than ever, and and yet, and 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 we still don't give a fuck about like again that that girl in Kenya who's having her clitoris cut off, or that kid in Bangladesh who works eighteen hours a day at a garment factory. Like 
But if you had a virtual reality headset where it showed you the world through their eyes and all of a sudden it's not about like it's not about like what I think is fucked up or what isn't. All of a sudden it's not what I, about what I think it's about a, it's it's about what I see and feel from someone else's experience. Like that would be insane if all of a sudden everybody was able to empathize or figure out a way for us to empathize with with each other and see the world through the, each other's eyes. That could... yeah, if there was like a viral uh, experience like that, like oh my god, everybody's loving just this ex- like you get to experience somebody or you know just visually or um, and hopefully a few other senses, uh, of course auto audio as well, but a uh, few other unique things. Um, I think that could be super powerful for people to start, you know, having more empathy. Um, but I also challenge that I guess we're there's a lot of people. I can't really pay attention to the seven billion people. Um, I can't really go meet them either. It's kind of too many people to meet, and, and and it is hard. It's it's a huge amount of people and stuff going on, and um, I don't know. Could I meet every person in VR? That would be a challenge. Once you know, there's a bunch of people there. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, I think you just beat me. You would probably meet the extremes. You probably meet the most extreme poverty, and then meet the most extreme wealth, and have that comparison, and see, and see, decide for yourself: Is this the world I want to live in? Uh, the world where there's this kid collecting, you know, gold dust out of sewers where shit runs, you know, or or do I want to, versus, you know, uh, the world in which this other kid is brought up, you know, you know, in, in golden thrones and whatever not, like, that's, that, and, it, you know, and here's the funny thing, like, I was telling something to my friend the other day, like, all these political ideologies, like communism, capitalism, and all these isms, they're all the fucking same because at the end of the day, there's it, it's the same thing. Like there's people on top and then there's people on the bottom. At the end of the day, they're all the same. It's it's the same thing. And so, I you know I I just wonder like if there's anyone out there thinking about like what is the next you know system of human organization of the 21st century like and can we utilize technology now for once to perhaps you know make it better like. Because, you know, what what are we, we're stuck with? We're stuck with John Smith's system. You know, who, how old is this? Yeah, 300 years old, like the 300 year, year old system. Like it's, it's time for an update, man. You know, even Windows 7 can't be out there forever. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's hard though. I, 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 now that I guess I'm a little older, I, I, I don't, I can't imagine, like when you start to change those big things, you're also going to hurt a bunch of people along with it. So how do you decide what you're going to do. Uh, I have just problems making decisions sometimes just in, in my life. So it, it's really hard, but I, I hope this, I think technology is helping things. It allows us to organize, if anything. I mean, computer just does that. And that's, you know, that's one of the things why I think we're getting smarter and we're like our movies are better. Not necessarily like story-wise, maybe not, but we're able to make more visually mm-hmm. more tech with technology. Some of them are terrible, but, but if you pick one of the best, you know, latest films, it's really, you know, really good. And I think it's because all those people had access to the internet, like to, to research ideas, to think about things, to go and get those connections made easily else. How would you've done it 20 years ago? You'd have to know, or, or there was only a library really. So, um, I think we'll continue to have that with VR as another tool to go in and prototype the movie or whatever the thing you're trying to do is. And it's, it's going to be powerful. 
I agree. And considering especially the fact that here is the movie industry. How old is the movie industry? Like 100 years old? And we're witnessing the birth of this whole new industry right now. Mm-hmm. Holy yep. shit! What is it? What's gonna? What is? What is it gonna look like in fifty years? Is it, it's? It, I can't yeah. even wrap my mind around that sort of stuff because it's just you know when I st- just even trying to think about it, I'm like holy shit that's science fiction too too science fictiony, but but yep. damn it's 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 gonna be really exciting to to see this like happening right before our eyes. I think uh, I, I like to think of the movie industry and compare it to the VR industry now, and and because uh, in the beginning of the movie movie industry they didn't know what they exactly had or what they were doing yet. Uh, they were finally putting pictures together fast enough where you could see moving picture. There was no audio in the very beginning, um, so adding audio was another thing to decide to do. So that's kind of what I see virtual reality. Where we're like we've got our visuals in here, we've got a little bit of input, but what else are we going to add to the equation that we don't even know yet? And uh, a, a thing without a, a different way without looking at hardware was with the movies, movie industry, when they decided they were going to do cuts or make mm-hmm. an edit. Like before, they didn't do that. They just filmed the whole thing right then and there, and that was it. Uh, uh, I guess probably because it's like a theater performance or something. But when somebody decided, hey, you can edit, you know, just people will get that you're at another location when you just cut, and then now they see a new location. Their brain just knows to automatically fill in that information. What kind of stuff in VR are we going to create that just is that it's like, oh, you just do this because people automatically are going to get it. But we didn't have cuts in our life. There was nowhere that you could look at, I think, maybe books. I don't know. Before hmm. to see cuts. So it was a really unique thing and to be able to edit. It's, it's pretty profound. And so I, I'm curious how that works. You know, or it just I think about that. I think about VR and it's interesting. Yeah, no, and in terms of, like, just a, a medium of communication, this VR, especially, like, you know, writing, when you when you write something, words have a lot of ambiguity. Like, like I can say something, uh-huh. and people, or, and, and different people will interpret it completely different, right, than what I'm picturing inside my head. But it, what if I could just show you the picture that I have inside my head and let you experience that? You know, I would we let will we throw ambiguity out the window? Will will we get to a point at which we'll just communicate just a hundred percent more efficiently than we do now? Is human language will will it become irrelevant just because we'll be able to you know interface and use this new medium of communication in the future? What do you think? Oh, I think a lot about that. I think basically, like, we evolve as fast as our language can evolve. And I think what we're going to get out of VR is visible language, like you're saying. Like, mm. You can show what's inside your head. Uh, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. A lot of this is inspired, again, from Terrence McKenna. I mean, it's just uh, awesome stuff. And, and I, I think we will be able to visually behold what somebody means. And I, the reason I think that is because we hold the visual sense as the highest in regard. And we have so much of in our language that reflects this, like, I see what you mean, or, you know, that was brilliant, which is like a visual, you know, something's brilliant, mm. lit. And there's a lot of those. And so I think that's because we, we just behold that, that we behold our sight. Um, and so VR is completely capturing our vision. Um, and um, I hope and I'm pretty sure that we can get uh, speech re- recognition is, you know, a huge part of this. Uh, down to where we have, you know, these AIs that help us in basically communicating to each other to the point where it just gets so damn good that it's, it really is like showing you what's really going on inside my head. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then I wonder what the implications for the legal system would be. Imagine if we were, were able to, uh, 
you know, and and uh, this sort of doesn't relate quite with what you're saying, but like I, I wonder what at the point at which we'll be able to like. Have you seen this research from Berkeley? Like they were talking about how first generation technology they were able to more or less uh, create pictures that people were you know you know that were people were imagining inside their minds. And and I wonder, like, will we reach a future in which people won't be able to lie to the legal system? Like, they'll, they'll be in court and be like, did you murder that man? And then and they'll be like, don't, you don't have to say shit. We'll just plug you in and we'll figure out inside your brain if you did or not. Like, you know, yeah. that would be – that's that will be insane. <laughs> and I will like be – Like my minority report with the precogs, um, which is – you know, hmm. those are people that could sense it, but this would be machines that are basically able to tap in and find out. Um, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> then again, want that. I wonder, like, you know, I wonder how much. I'll play the devil's advocate on that one because I wonder how much evil, how much damage is done to the world with lies and and dishonesty, right? Like, in in this future metaverse, if if we can use cryptocurrencies and, and creative uh, you know and the creative um uh, and our creative potential to create wealth right but we could also uh use um our our, our own honesty and, and 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 as as a way to gauge people like oh that guy he's an honest guy he's good to do business with like you know what i'm saying like like i wonder if we would do ourselves more harm than good if we reach a point where like no one can lie, like because we would be able to see uh-huh. it, like you know, well, politicians will be out of work for sure, but you know, well, will 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 we still have it's hard crime? To judge what a lie is. I guess it, 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 you're tapping into what they think's a lie, but a lot of times people don't even know they're lying. Mm, um, lying's kind of one. this, you know, really basic way of communicating that we learn really early. And a lot of times I think it's 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 important in some situations to be lying. I think we're taught not to lie because that's probably better for the system and the overall, you know, uh, everything at play. Um, I mean, most time I think if somebody lies to me, just people that I, you know, run into, it's probably not that bad. Of course, somebody could lie to you in some really terrible way and it's pretty me- messed up. And what it is, is we don't want that. We don't like that feeling. So we try to make sure that that doesn't happen. But um I don't. I don't know. It's it's a very again another complicated thing. But uh, I think machines are going to be able to start, or drones watching everything, and you know all that is a little bit uh, not so cool. But however, it's like having a police department. Sometimes that's not so cool. Um, like, what are you doing messing with me or messing with somebody? But it, again, that's a complicated system, and and so you're thinking it from your perspective only. But when it's time for you to get rescued or you need help, that's going to be the best situation ever. You're going to be thankful for all of that. I agree. No, they're, I think that, you know, they're like uh, police and firemen are like the blood cells of, if, if society, if, is, if civilization was a, a living organism, they're like the white blood cells of that living organism that are out there, uh, you know, just fucking bacteria and viruses up, you know, and, 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 and they try, they're, they're not perfect um, because they're human but at least the principle stands, and I wonder if, you know, in the future they'll be. I think they'll they'll be around. I think they'll be around forever still. Like we will, we need uh, people to, you know, to help to help in that sense. 
And the question then becomes like, who who is going to oversee them? Who's who's gonna watch the watchers, right? Like, especially with this whole NSA stuff, like that that stuff is creepy to me because like, fuck, I wasn't asked for my permission whether I wanted Google, you know, and maybe it's my fault because I didn't read the fucking agreement that I, you know, when I when I signed up on Gmail, but like, but it's it's just super invasive to like to know that these companies are, are collaborating with the NSA and they have this massive fucking data center out of science fiction somewhere in Utah and they're just collecting all the information, all of it, all of it. And just, you know, yeah. they're waiting for the technology to arrive at which point they'll be able to like, you know, sift through that data and make sense of it and, you know, collect, you know, and pinpoint at individuals and be like, this is the point at which you were doing this and this and that, that and that and that, like, and then you'll be like, holy fuck, because like the crazy thing is like I, you know, and uh, and I'm not alone in this. Like we, I share more of my secrets with my web browser than anyone else I know. Hmm. And I of it like be, that. that's because that's what like, that's what Google is. Like if I am like, holy shit, like I'll be like, you know, if I got a rash on my pubes, I'll be like, oh fuck, dude, am I getting herpes? And I'll Google herpes. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then, and then, and then, and now it's, that's in an NSA <laughs> data, data center, like somewhere. I don't have herpes by the way, but, he, but you know, like, that's what I'm saying. Like that could be the thing, you know, um, where, where like we share so much information with the internet and we're not cognizant of the fact that someone is watching us and recording us and categorizing us. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really weird thing. Obviously, we've never seen that quite before uh, in history. I think my generation, your generation, is the ones dealing with this, and mm -hmm. it sounds pretty freaky. There's definitely these huge data centers, and that's. I wonder what they're going to be in ten or twenty years, really. Mm -hmm. Or I wonder what happens when like they start to change, you know, and and I mean change in a totally different way, like the I don't know. The company starts to decline or something, and then it's cheaper to be bought up, you know, like Google or something. Uh, but just, you know, the hands changing, and then it becomes used for not so good. So that data is powerful. It does equal power and equals money. So it's a, it's a tricky thing, but we all do participate in it. So I do think we all live in public, basically. So I don't think – I do think that maybe all the privacy is a little bit much. Like how much privacy should you have to the point where well, – I guess you should just stay inside all the time, you know, uh, if you want all of that. And I don't think people had privacy all throughout history. I think they lived in public. I think people came to their houses a lot more and, uh, and that you were known, uh, you know, there's probably a lot, you probably can hide out and chill and not be a part of public a hell of a lot more now than you could mm -hmm. before it's, but it is this internet stuff. So, um, that, that's going to be interesting to see to play out. And of course, with VR, we can start collecting so much more data uh, on people, you know, what their interests are, what they're looking at, if they're looking at that girl's butt, they, you know, uh, if they are. Yes. Well, basically, they just start capturing a lot of your visual where you look and what you spend your time doing. And now they can predict what you're going to do next and make sure that the ad or the other, you know, if you like Coke over Pepsi, then you're going to see the Coke over there and, you know, that's how ads are these days, but uh, it, it certainly could, could get worse in VR, but I hope there's plenty of places where are, that are going to try to build um, these metaverse type of places that don't have so much of that. Yeah, I, yeah, there's, that's where, that's where it gets scary because, 
and you know we're here we're in the rabbit hole so fuck it like i think that's where it could get you know just what you were saying like now that you have this hmd over your over your face everything you look at everything you interact with will be recorded somewhere and my children will have all their lives stored somewhere i and i don't think they'll have a choice on onto on whether they want to be a part of it or not they'll just accept it and it'll just be a part of their lives and that's the thing like about like you know freedom like you know are are we truly free are we truly free to be you know uh, uh, to to be forgotten from history like do we have that freedom well, like that choice you say a free would be a person that's not being dominated mm-hmm. maybe and i'd say well, there's definitely plenty of domination going on in this system uh and probably by good reason maybe or there's plenty of not good reason but if i think about my own life like I'm definitely not perfect, so I make all these messed up mistakes, or sometimes I don't. And I feel like that that, that our government is probably going to be the same way because it's ran by people. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like secret government and being this big conspiracy, I don't really get into that anymore. Ten years ago, I'd be thinking about things like that, but mm. there's no way to know, and it's pretty hard to pull. I think to pull off something like that, but yeah, yeah, because then, but then, yeah, because then that's where like, because this is where i think about like big data like you know and big data is not a new thing it's not you know but it's but it's an evolving thing and it'll evolve in the metaverse as well and being able to utilize people's individual information and their macro information like you know just populations and figuring out like how humans operate on a more visceral like i I use that word a lot like on, on a more visceral scale like and, and being able to have those data points and making sense of them and saying, well, okay, well, this is what works uh, to make people angry. This what this is what doesn't yeah. work. This is how, you know, and so what I'm saying essentially is like the metaverse could be bastardized and become a, and, and it could become very easily a tool of social control uh, just from the, you know, just from the way technology is evolving, like, you know, very in our lifetimes we will see i think we will see quantum computers and those computers will be able to make a lot better calculations uh on a on just this massive scale of of what people are are and and do and who they are and what humanity is and then you know whoever has that information you know can i can i trust you like can i trust you with all that with that knowledge you know i I don't know and who are you you know why why do you need trust it? with things like this? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's super interesting just to think about it, like, cause cause I'm one of those guys where like I'm hopeful about the future. I want I want good things to happen, but I. And you said you have kids, right? No, 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 I don't. But I but I oh, think okay. about like you know if, if when I if and when I do like or yeah. you know like that's this is the world they're they're going to be a part of like. You know, just like you and I, like we like, were born. You want to bring a kid into this now setting. Yeah. That, yeah, because basically now your kid would grow up with VR being a reality, the whole her his or her whole life. Yeah, that is that's trippy. That's trippy. Yeah, they're, they'll and just. It's really because I guess there's so many unknowns with this medium, you know, and that's how I think we think of it. And mediums rock the world; they change so much, but it doesn't mean everything's changed. Um, but it's just another huge medium that's going to rock everything and it's going to connect into the, you know, obviously it runs on the internet, you know, or 
No, it runs on your PCs and the internet, but basically the internet facilitates it. So it's it's just amazing to see all of these mediums and to think about them. I'm sure some people are studying that specific subject and have a lot to say about this. Yeah, there, yeah, there's definitely really smart people out there thinking about these things, and uh, you know, I I think it it's 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 I guess our job to see if we can find and and pick at their minds to gather some form of value. Uh, I I don't know. I, I, there's there's definitely a lot to learn. <laughs> you know, just seeing just going forward is there's so much to learn about this. You know, every time I have a conversation with someone, I'm just like, oh shit. I didn't think of that. Like, you know, there's, there's so, it's just this endless ocean of, of, you know, it's like a new frontier where we are exploring the human. I think the VR is just our way, our vehicle to explore the human mind uh, in the 21st century. This is the new frontier, the the oceans, space, and the mind. Uh, And it's going to be VR. That's going to be our vehicle inside. Now, have you been to a VR meetup? Yeah, I go to the SF VR meetups and I go to the Silicon Valley VR meetups. Makes so much sense. And what I meant is like the VR meetup in VR that I talked about. Oh, oh, VR like VR chat you know, and those. I, yeah. I, you know, I uh, I got a Minecraft to try to go into the MetaCraft server and then I never found the link again. Um, but but no, I have had I haven't had the pleasure to go and inside. It all comes down to time and everything. But if if Sunday, you know, evenings, which would be actually your 4 p.m. time, mm-hmm. uh, so it wouldn't be evening for you. Um, that's about when it starts after Bruce's streams ends. And I, you know, well, I, I think you would love it because you'll talk to all these kinds of people. Um, and it's just fascinating. I mean, tons of, uh, tons of these people are way smarter than me. And so it's a privilege to, to hear them talk about, you know, these great, you know, these great things. And, and so I encourage you and uh, anybody listening to, to basically tune into Bruce's stream really. And that's how you'll get connected in. But if you boot up VR chat, um, around seven o'clock you'll probably see the room there it's it just varies to when the, the the stream ends awesome vr chat Where, what's the website to that what's the, the well I'll put the link net, okay vrchat.net. cool yeah. i'll put the link in the show notes when it's when, when this gets published and anybody can just use it for their own gatherings but really that's the one i think that's going right now and uh you know i don't know if you saw the post but so close and apparently it's, there's a rain check in place but uh I think it was not last Sunday, but the one before that, I was going to be moderating uh, 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 and doing a VR chat uh, with the developers that do that, who were bringing on Ernest Klein Ooh. from Ready Player One. Unfortunately, he was using the Game Face uh, device at a conference, and unfortunately, I couldn't get connected. Aww. So we were there ready at noon, uh, my time, and... Uh, so it didn't happen, unfortunately, but there's a rain check. So the idea will be another post will come out when once they uh, make the arrangements and there'll be a posting on, hey, come into VR chat to ask Ernest Klein's questions. So what a what a neat little thing, huh? That'll be that'll be amazing. Yeah, I yeah, I'm going to stay posted for that. And uh, yeah, because that's that's going to be really cool to, you know, uh, see what people are, you know, pick at the mind of that guy like that Ernest Klein, like. You know, I, I wonder if there's going to be a, a part two or like a, a second installment to Ready Player One. Uh, yeah, there is. Uh, there's Armada is his next book, and that's going to become a movie. Ooh. I'm not really sure on the details. Um, and then I saw something like Ready Player Three, but does that mean because his second book? I, I base I don't know. I think I saw a Ready Player Three. That doesn't make any sense to me, and I'm probably just wrong, and somebody's going to scream at me. But. Uh, <laughs> I read it somewhere, so that either means there's because there was already talk of Ready Player Two. There's gonna be Ready Player Three then, 
uh, like a trilogy thing, or there's some unique, you know, reason why to go right to number three. But those would be questions I would ask him. Uh, I actually don't follow everything, so it's hard to, to talk about it all. But I, that just would have blown my mind. I mean, that's that's the book for me uh, when it comes to VR over the rest of them. And, and uh, you know, right now he's, you know, in the circuit. and He's, you know, giving away DeLoreans. He's going to the Oculus headquarters. He's, you know, he's tweeting. He's out there. And so it would be really great to talk to that guy. Yeah, it's going to be – no, I'm going to – hopefully it's not this Sunday because it's going to be – the Sunday before the uh, the the big S- the v- Silicon Valley conference, yeah. but like, dude, I'm I'm excited. I'm a, I'm a jump on. So I'm that won't probably be an actual VR meetup thing. That'll be like a special one-off. Probably gear. It's geared to when he can make it for just a little bit, sort that, of thing. So that it'll works. be like a post that comes out of nowhere. Very cool. And, uh, that's from Jespionage, who was setting that up at with VR chat. Cool. So what do you got coming up these days? We're gonna start bringing this to a close. It's been super awesome. But like for you, like what do you got coming up? What's uh, give me some like you know updates. What's what's new? Well, just uh, doing more virtually incorrect on Fridays at 10 p.m. Eastern, and uh, who knows for other time zones. Uh, seven for you in, in Pacific. Um, and that's just my big focus, uh, to keep pumping out good shows. Uh, if anybody's interested in being a guest, please ping me on Reddit, um, Gunter444. And I uh, would love to have all kinds of great people. I bring developers, I bring uh, VR, uh, like talking heads or you know, personalities, as well as enthusiasts. So if you're interested, just uh, ping me. Um, as well as an audience, uh, we fill up about 10, 12 people in the audience. If you just want to come hang out, ping me as well. We'll we have a great pre-show and, and app show, which basically consists of just us talking, and it's it, but it's a lot of fun. Um, other than that, like uh, Metatron VR, you know, uh, I got some website duties there that I got to get to, so I'll be uh, continuing my effort there and being, you know, helpful on that team, and we'll continue to watch, uh, you know, the efforts there and see what comes out. Awesome. All this, all the links to uh, to all the cool stuff that Gunter just mentioned is going to be in the show notes. Um, you know, uh, Gunter, unless there's anything else you you'd like to say, I, I, we might bring this to to a close. I don't think so. I know there was one. I'm like, what was that thing? And I can't <laughs> I can't remember. So it'll be for the next show, my friend. It's been great. I really appreciate coming on my show. I loved being here. This was my first interview uh so uh i think it's cool man yeah and you did you did awesome i i look forward to checking out your shows friday nights 10 p.m eastern 7 p.m pacific um and and gunter does great on reddit like you post actually like you put a link where like you know this is uh you know where you can pick you can check your own time zone uh con- depending on where you are so yeah. so really good it stuff. helps me with a lot of that stuff so i just want to get him a shot there and this sunday bruce won't be streaming because he's at svvr so we're trying to either do a minecraft event or some kind of something so i'll try to post about that uh later this week awesome 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 uh, gunter s thompson 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 or gunter gunter <laughs> it's been a pleasure man thanks so much for your time yeah thank you chris see you later